Lord, we don't keep His word, then we walk in the darkness, and the truth's not in us. If we walk in the light, we will have fellowship sweet, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from sin. want to do a flannel vote. I was just looking at the camera realizing I still have on this flannel. Friends, this is my favorite flannel. And my wife thinks it's an ugly flannel. Uh, but it's my fa- it's a heavy, thick flannel. And blue is is my favorite color. Uh, unless it's a car, in which case then it's red. But uh, anyway, um, I, I like to wear blue. This is my, and I'm buttoning it up. It's just a little chilly. It's, you know, on the edge of things here, um, whether furnace should be running or not running and that type of thing. So what do you think? Do you like the flannel? That, that's that's the question. Um, it's my favorite. I just love this flannel. In fact, when my older son, uh, Kyle, is home, he wears this flannel. He'll find it and put it on because he likes to wear it as well. Just a good, thick, heavy flannel i i've i don't know how many years i've had this flannel it is my favorite flannel so um but this this particular flannel what about you do you like flannel do you wear flannel i mean flannel is a main thing uh i'm picturing our favorite realtor and, and, and a nice flannel shirt and and uh you know the nice friendly smile uh so picturing priscilla in flannel don and flannel you know, uh, you know what it means when you write a book when uh, when you're wearing flannel. That means you're doing flannel graph. Ha! <laughs> Bing. Anyway, I'm a little bit rare this morning. Are, are, am I not? Um, probably up a little bit later last night than we should have been. But frumpy um, is fa- flannel frumpy. I'm trying to think. What does frumpy mean? Frumpy. Hmm. What, what is the definition of that word? Uh, I, I'm picturing you in flannel as well. Um, oh, you think it's frumpy. Is that what you're saying? You think my, 
I mean, it's the pockets. I know the pockets look kind of weird, but this is just absolutely. I'm. I feel at home. You know, in this in this flannel. I do. We're not here to talk about flannel, though. Really, are we? Uh, uh, frumpy. Uh, uh, old fashioned, typically used of a woman or her clothes. I look like a frumpy mess. Uh, okay, well, that, that's the definition Don is providing for us. And Jean's saying she loves flannel as well. It's that time of year to be wearing the flannel. Yes, it is. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, that wasn't what I wanted to talk about this morning. We are going to go to the 11th chapter of the book of Matthew. <clears throat> and Jesus has some hard things to say. He has been doing all kinds of miracles uh, to substantiate and to validate his reality that, in fact, he is, uh, oh, gee. Now, the flannel goes good with the winger beard. Now we're putting the beard together, the flannel. <clears throat> okay. Well, oh, winter beard. Okay. I was trying to figure out what I was going to have to look up winger beard and see what that is. Winter beard. Yeah, well. Yes. Anyway, Jesus. Jesus has has been doing all these miracles. Jesus has been uh, trying to substantiate that you can trust in him, you can rely on him, you can uh, count on him. His miracles substantiate that he has the power to forgive sins. Uh, his miracles substantiate that, in fact, he is God in flesh. Um, and yet there are people who didn't want to receive his message. And so he would have these words for them uh, in Matthew chapter 11. We're coming to a point now where we're seeing an increase uh, in uh, uh, an increase in people who are resisting Jesus, those who are turning against his message, those who are refusing to believe. And uh, that's uh, and so Jesus is going to speak these words to them. <clears throat> Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they didn't repent. So uh, last night in our like Jesus uh, Walk Like Jesus study, we were talking about the importance of the message of repentance. I mean, we want Jesus and we want our sin too. And you can't have both. Uh, the most miserable, we are the most miserable and we try to live with Jesus and live with sin. Uh, it's just a fact. And when we don't repent, Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles have been performed. You think about it, we would think in our situation that we would, uh, you know, see all these miracles and people would see these miracles and would just turn to Jesus and there would just be no, uh, no question, no issue. He's done these miracles. Yes, we should trust in him. But, but even in our own lives, how often do we See God do incredible things for us, and then the next day, doubt. Uh, or the next day, we get out of bed and we're angry. Or the next day, we get out of bed and uh, you know we're 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 depressed. Or you fill in the blank. All the things that we can do, God does all these wonderful things for us, uh, and and yet we continue to to be our. Uh, downcast self. 
uh, last night when somebody's walking out of the building, and I remember who it was that was walking out of the building uh, after our study last night, um, I just said, remember Colossians 2.10. And what is Colossians 2.10? And I talked about that in the service yesterday, but Colossians 2.10 uh, says this to us, uh, and but yet we forget this so quickly. Uh, here it is. Uh, verse 6 says, I'm going to read a little section here. So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Now, now let me let me deal with the first three verses here. Since you receive Jesus, continue to live in him. I mean, we need to continue to live in him. Secondly, it, it tells us not only to continue to live in him, but then it says to, to continue to be rooted and built up in him. And friends, in fact, this is what you are doing. You are you are participating in uh this daily study. Uh, which helps you to be rooted and built up in him. Um, you participate in worship services and other groups and things and so on, and, and you are being rooted and built up, the most most essential thing. And, and it's just like a diet or exercise. When you give yourselves to those things, uh, you lose weight or you gain weight, depending on what you're trying to do, uh, and you uh, tone up your muscles and you find yourself able to walk further and so on and so forth because you exercise yourself same way spiritually you exercise yourself spiritually and that is exercise not ex or size big difference between exercise and exorcism uh, but, but you exercise yourself in your faith. You're rooted, you're built up. It says, strengthen the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thanks, thankfulness, that we would learn to be thankful people. Then he goes on and says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and on the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. All the fullness in Christ, all the fullness. Deity, what does deity mean? Deity means um, God. All the fullness of God lives in Jesus in bodily form. And then verse 10, look at what it says in verse 10. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. So you've been given fullness in Christ. Fullness in Christ, full of Christ. You know, uh, sometimes we're told that we are full of full of baloney, full of CR, finish it out. How about being full of C-H-R-I-S-T? You've been given fullness in Christ, that we would live in our fullness in Christ, who is the head of over every power and authority. Now, you take verses 9 and 10 together, and it says, For in Christ the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Christ has the completeness of God in him because he is God. And Jesus is God in incarnate, living in the body. 
So if in Christ the fullness of the deity lives and we have been given fullness in Christ, what does that mean? I mean, we have the fullness of the deity, all that we need. We have everything we need already. Uh, and, and so for us to remember this today, that when we're feeling defeated, discouraged, whatnot, so on, so forth, um, you've been given fullness in Christ. To, to go back and, and daily meditate on, in fact, uh, Colossians 2.10, that's going to be the verse. That's my posting verse for the for the day. Uh, in fact, I'll put those two verses together, verses 9 and 10. Uh, that I, that'll be my little Facebook post for the day. And uh, wow, to think about that, to live that out. And we need to we need to mentally grasp the uh, the reality. We need to mentally grasp the the ramifications of what it means to have fullness in Christ. Take right hold of it. Uh, and this is good for me today. I mean, there there's just there's there's many heavy things that uh, uh, and and somebody noted this uh, to to me, uh, maybe even here. But there are lots of weighty things. There, there are weighty personal things that people go through that you you bear burdens with people and for people. Uh, there are there are the weighty things of organizations. I mean, I've got this organization, and and uh, we have the New England Bible College organization. Uh, we're we're involved in the Camp Fairhaven organization, uh, and you know, there's just there's there's the various types of weights of things that that one will carry. Um, then we put on top of that the weight of just living our own lives. I mean, the weight of having our own house and, you know, trying to be, get that retrofitted so we can move and and the weight of the fact that we live uh, our livelihood, my livelihood at least, uh, derives its, from, its source uh, from ministry. Um, and to think about what that means, there's there's just the weighty things. And, and so this morning, this is a good reminder for me even that, you know, all of our fullness dwells in Christ, and and we have what we need. I'm going to sneeze here, I think. Three little sneezes. I want to look at a, a couple of the comments that are here. Um, I'm seeing something here in in the comments section that I, I want to look at, uh, in the moment of living it out, we can, we can be look like hypocrites, but in time we pray others will see well, why we do what we do. God be with us to live in Christ. Absolutely. God be with us to live in Christ. That's, that's what we are called to do. And thank you for your blessings. Absolutely. To live it out and, and to encourage each other, to inspire each other, to pray for each other. Thank you. Uh, to to pray for each other uh, in in living out the fullness in Christ. Absolutely. Um, the verses. One more time. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. <clears throat> You've been given fullness in him who is the head over every power and authority. I don't know how I got here from where we were over in, <clears throat> excuse me, over in Matthew 11, but I'm going to take us back to Matthew 11. And the issue is they weren't believing, and that's what we were talking about here in Matthew 11. They they weren't believing. They were uh, kind of rejecting what what he had told them about himself. 
<clears throat> and so he says these words, Jesus began to, to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, that would be like Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, you get the sackcloth and ashes, do you not? I mean, think of burlap. I mean, that that is sackcloth. Burlap is sackcloth. They would go, think about uh, wearing burlap and what that would feel like rubbing on your skin. Uncomfortable. And then it says ashes. They would throw ashes on their heads is, is a, uh, a demonstration of repentance, uh, a demonstration of brokenness, a demonstration of uh, grief. Uh, so they, they would go around and repenting in sackcloth and ashes saying, we're guilty, we're guilty. They'd go around in the discomfort of, of burlap uh, and with the shame of ashes just saying, we are guilty and we must turn away from our sins. Then he goes on and says this, verse 23, uh, verse 22, but I tell you, uh, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. Why? Because Jesus himself has been, <clears throat> excuse me, terrible uh, in the throat here this morning. Uh, because Jesus himself, the Messiah himself, has walked among them and they reject him. And, and that's why it'll be more uh, bearable for Tyre and Sidon on that day than for them. Because they saw him, they heard him, they they perhaps touched him, uh, they could follow him about, they could hear him numerous times, they saw the miracles and yet rejected him. And there's no hope for those who ultimately reject Christ. That is the unforgivable, unpardonable sin when one ultimately rejects Christ. Now, you might think, you know, there's all kinds of unpardonable sins and things that we make unpardonable sins, but there's really only one unpardonable sin, and that is rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit. When he draws you to faith and you resist, when he gives you the, the opportunity and you're right on the edge, but yet you choose to not believe in Christ, that's the unforgivable sin. Uh, and uh, that that is because there's nothing else that can be done. The Spirit has done his work. The Lord Jesus has done his work. The Father has done his work. And now it is up to us to respond. And when we don't respond, there's just simply nothing else that can be done. So he goes on, continues, and says, uh, And you, Capernaum, you will be lifted up to the skies. No, you will go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. I mean, so he's he's pronouncing this woe um, upon them because they don't want to turn. Now, now there's there's some commentary over in the uh, peanut gallery. I, I need to go back over to the peanut gallery. That is the comment section on the other screen here. And this is true. Uh, Nell says sometimes people, even Christians, just don't want to be changed or want to change. It's true. Uh, sometimes we we just don't want to be healed. I mean, that's, that's true. I mean, there are sins that we want to remain in. Or, you know, I, I can think of particular things in my life. Or um, 
I think sometimes of uh, I, I think sometimes of uh, how we shoot ourselves in the foot, how somebody is trying to help us get to where we need to get. Uh, someone's trying to help us get into a, a better place in life, uh, and yet what do we do uh, is we reject it. Um, we reject because we we can't imagine change. Um, we can't imagine living differently, or or we have a uh, a diminished view of self, uh, and, and we just think I I just don't deserve it. I don't deserve to live in a nicer place, or I don't deserve to 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 drive a nicer car, or I don't deserve to have a better job, or I I don't deserve to have that gift given to me, or I don't deserve. And, and you can fill in the blank and. And and sometimes we're just in that place of life where, and there are people who simply just feel unworthy. Now, Walter has made the comment. He says pride can get in the way of change, and it can. And, and you know, I that pride. Uh, there, there's the the pride of arrogance that sometimes you 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 see people and they just seem to be so arrogant. And uh, there's that pride that, that smells. Uh, but then sometimes uh, pride shows its way on the opposite uh, on the opposite side of the coin. Um, a pride which is rooted in a diminished view, and you think, well, that's not really pride. Well, yeah, there's something about that in pride that uh, that we won't allow ourselves to uh, to be taken to a better place, feel unworthy. But but the, how does pride factor into that? Um, so, and I want to encourage you, there are some people and Nell has hit it. Sometimes we just don't want to change. Are there times in your life where you just don't want to change? Are there times in your life where, where you just kind of want to remain in the same place, the same stead, the same lot in life? And, um, sometimes I, I, I think that that is, is so very, very true of us that, that we keep ourselves in a place that. God's trying to take us out of, but we keep keep we keep keeping ourselves there. We won't let ourselves out, and uh, um, it, it it can be sin, uh, it can be living circumstance, it can be job circumstance, it, it can be, you know. I I know one of the things that that I need to do, uh, uh to, to place myself in a tent making type of situation, you know, just. And I've got it right here on the screen. I, I need to click yes and and pay my pay my fees and get this coursework underway uh, to be a tent maker. Um, something to improve the lot in life. What steps do you need to take? What is God trying to do in you, and you keep resisting Him? I mean that that is that is a question. How do you resist the the good work of God uh, in your life and and what He is trying to do uh, on your behalf? Nell says this: just like Jesus, I have to walk away from people, and I've done all I can do to direct them to the ways of Jesus, and they begin to wear me out. Yeah, that that's right. That is absolutely right. Um. <clears throat> But that that is that is a notable statement there uh, that I think I need to discuss with you. I mean, 
what do we do in situations where where you try to help somebody and you try to help somebody? We have there are situations where you do for people and you do for people and you do for people and the more you do for people, the less they want to do for themselves and and, and then they keep calling on you and keep calling on you and keep and. and Friends, none of you do this to me. I just I want to state that none of you do this to me. Uh, but there are those people uh, that, that you just you just you have nothing left. And, and sometimes you just need to say, "Look, I, I have nothing left to give to you. I will pray for you. Uh, my heart is is one of love for you. But but I've told you everything I can tell you. I, I've uh, I, I've given you what I can give you. And, and and it's now you need to go stand up on your own two feet." Uh, and as has been said in the comments, and then keep them in prayer. So that is that is uh, what we need to do in these circumstances. There are people, and sometimes it's us, that we just don't want to turn away. And, and it, worse than, than us that maybe have pockets of areas in our life, there are people who just simply refuse to turn to Jesus. Uh, I thought yesterday of a man who, is well off, well established, did well for himself, but don't need no part of God. He will stand before God one day uh, and will face the judgment. And, uh, you know, at that point, success and money will do that individual no good whatsoever. And um, because we all need to bow the knee to Jesus. Yes, we do. We need to bow the knee to Jesus. So Jesus is saying about these cities, woe to them, and hopefully to none of us does he say woe to us. But then right after that, he goes on, and I want to finish out this chapter in in Matthew chapter 11, uh, and he says this, at that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Just, Just to take that for a moment, that phrase, Lord of heaven and earth and earth to think about the fact that, that that he is the lord of heaven and earth what does that mean to us lord controller the one who holds uh, everything in its place that is who he is lord of heaven and earth i mean even that phrase is one that's it's that's enough to contemplate for the day that he is Lord of heaven and earth. He is the creator of all things. He is the sustainer of all things. He holds the atoms together. He keeps the planets spinning on their axes and going around in their orbits. Uh, He's the one that holds it all together. So I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. I mean, sometimes it's just the case of coming and responding to the Lord uh, in faith as children. Verse 26, yes, Father, this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. So he, he is really talking about the relationship he has with God the Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. That if you and I have had the reality of who God the Father is and the reality of uh, who Jesus the Son is, um, we are most blessed to have 
that revelation given to us that we would know the Father, that we would know the Son, that we would know the Spirit, we are most blessed. Then he says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I think most of us understand yoke here. We're not talking about egg yolks. We're talking about like the yoke that that would go over the shoulders of an oxen to pull its load. And he's saying that his load is easy. The yoke isn't heavy and burdensome, not at all. And he invites us, those who are weary and burdened, to come to him and to find his rest. Just take my yoke upon you. In other words, take, take, take myself, take my ways upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and then you find rest for your souls. Friend, do you, does your soul need rest today? You turn to Jesus. Does your soul need relief today? You turn to Jesus. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is what we are told. Let me bring this up in the message paraphrase, uh, and let's uh, see how it renders. It says, abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of the father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, and nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired? Worn out? uh, Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. To learn to live in Jesus' way. To keep company with Jesus. Um, you live freely and lightly. And, and again, in the NIV 84, uh, it says, you will find a rest for your souls. Today, maybe you need rest in your soul. Today, maybe you need to, to come to Jesus. Maybe this morning you're, you're already burdened and weighed down. Come to Jesus. Bring your burdens to Jesus. Ask Jesus to give you rest. You know, there, there are some things that, that we simply don't get to because sometimes we're so busy uh, running the organizations that we're part of and, and some critical things like how to get away. He talked about come away with me. And uh, one of the things I've had on, on my mind for 
really the whole time I've been in Maine, at least, in fact, even before that, uh, the idea of uh, spiritual formation weekends, weekends of getting away and learning to be with Jesus. And, and a lot of times we have retreat and we we make it a full schedule, speakers and music and food and game and entertainment and so on and so forth. And, and I envision a retreat that is just the opposite of that, where we come and we we do look at scripture and we do worship God and we allow time for quiet prayer. Uh, and we, we eat, if, if we eat, we eat only light meals, not heavy stuff. Um, and the point isn't entertainment. The point isn't learning. The point is being alone with God, allowing him to form us, allowing him to do things deeply in us. There are groups, the Catholics and the Methodists, both are are two groups that I know of, and there there perhaps are others. Anglicans may do this. I I don't know, but I I know the Catholics do it, and the the Methodists, they have these uh, spiritual formation weekends uh, where where they will take people away. Road to Emmaus is is the name of one of them, and Trace Diaz, I think, is the name of another. Uh, but we need to learn how to get away with Jesus. Uh, we, we'll take Jesus with us in the car in the midst of our busyness, and uh, we, we know Jesus is with us in the car, but yet we're still busy, and we really can't totally focus on Jesus uh, because we're, we have so many other things. But, but from time to time, friends, we need to break away. We need to come away. We need to get away and come to Jesus that we might know his rest. You know your burdens today. You know your heartaches today. You know the things that weigh you down today. It is my prayer for you today that you would know Jesus' rest. So, Lord, we come to you. I lift my friends to you, and whatever their their weariness is, whatever their burdens might be, that you might give each of us your rest. Help us to walk in Christ in such a way that we would walk in your strength, that we'd walk in your power, that we'd walk in your rest. And uh, Lord, help us to, to make the adjustments that we can, that we need to make in our lives so that we can be the Jesus people you're calling us to be. So, Father, we look to you. Give us your guidance. Work in our lives, we pray. If, if we need to change, help us to not resist the change. Help us to not resist the help, but to know your help, to know the workings of the Spirit in not only our hearts, but in our circumstances. Father, we pray for those continuing to recover from Ian, those who are in the midst of war-torn Ukraine. Father, we pray for them, hear their prayers, hear their cries, uh, heal their burdens, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, friends, I, I do see a little bit of a, a conversation taking place about spiritual retreat. There's a retreat near me that those spiritual weekends retreats, and uh, um, I would like to see us have something like that here in Maine, but it's going to require shift for me um, to, to be able to help us do that. So maybe we can create something here uh, and start taking people through something that will really help deepen their relationship with Jesus. Well, friends, I'm going to make it a wrap for today. I'm going to get you off onto your day, encourage you to have a great day, and encourage you to live in fullness in Christ today. Have a good day, everyone.